Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local Friday, another Afternoon Delight week. I'm very excited for this episode. I hope you're all staying okay and safe. The tear systems are really getting to people. I've literally seen some tears coming from my eyes. Um, So I do hope you're all staying safe and well. It's a very difficult and easy time. But I will say, happy for all of you that are going to get to see your families and friends and loved ones over the Christmas period. Now, I'm not going to make this a socio-political rant and a COVID rant, but if you are listening, I am going to give a little bit of a pep talk for one thing after being on social media the last couple of days. Please, if you're going to see family and friends over the five days it is, from the 23rd to 27th, don't take the piss with us, right? I'm going to see my family for an hour on Christmas because they all work in care. I'm happy I can see them, but we're still limiting how long we spend with each other because of the high risk. And I'm seeing them outside. I'm spending Christmas, luckily, with two of my best friends who both are on their own, live on their own, and we're having a lovely time. I hope you all see each other, especially if you're students. This is going to be a very crucial time for you right now because there's nothing worse than being away from your family for the whole time of being at uni, but then at Christmas on top of that, that's really difficult. So if you can't get home, love and solidarity with you these uneasy times. And if you can get home, brilliant. Stay safe, wash your hands thoroughly, and limit your contact. Please do not use this as a five-day period to get absolutely wasted with all your pals every single day, different up to three households every single day. Like, come on. We really can't risk this right now. That's your drunk auntie finished her rant. But seriously, please don't take the absolute piss and think about the lasting damage that could have for other people. We don't want a third wave in January. We didn't want a second wave. The vaccine is hopefully coming. Several vaccines potentially coming. So until then, at the end of the episode, I always say this. Do stay safe and remember to breathe. And remember to bloody wash your hands and wear a mask if you can. Right, pep talk over. Thank you for coming to my TED talk on COVID and why it is a fucking cunt. <laughs> um, this week's episode is so exciting. So I'd said, obviously, I didn't want to make this because the podcast has been getting so busy, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm so over the moon that people would want to come on this. I thought... When I started this, I just thought, oh yeah, this is like going to help people and network and also just help give mindfulness. But so many people, I put a call out this week for more guests up until January and all filled. It's incredible. A couple I've already contacted because I had people on my radar that I wanted to get on who I've worked with. And I've got a couple of people coming on who are promoting their new work, which I think is a great platform to do it on. But... What an eye-opener this has been, and I actually won't lie to you, is if you're listening and you enjoy listening to me ramble, I'm genuinely considering pursuing potentially like a career in television now. I think this would be wild. Imagine me like the Lorraine Kelly a drag. Pay my taxes, but literally the Lorraine Kelly a drag. I'm here for it. Okay, let's get on to this guest. So, what an interesting episode I've got lined up for you. It's always great to talk to a drag artist. Um, 
from the queer community who didn't start drag at the same time as me, however, very much is still doing the sort of same work I am. It's always interesting, but it's really nice to speak to someone who's got similar interests to you outside of drag. You never really get that. You know, drag is something that's brought me and a lot of my friends together. I've met some amazing friends like Lucy, my friend who gets mentioned in the podcast um, through drag, and we're now DJ together. I've met so many drag artists from Glasgow through drag that I never probably would have met otherwise. Do you know what I mean? It's great that drag can do that. And I met one of my best friends who's going to be on in a couple of weeks' time, who's a singer for doing a drag night, and she's not even a drag queen, but you do make those friendships. And drag brings that sense of community, and I'm really thankful for that. This guest, we don't have Doctor Who in common, let me clarify that. Like, you'll hear that in the episode, but this guest is an avid Doctor Who fan. I'm more of a secret diver call girl fan myself. I'm Billy Piper as Belle de Jour, no Billy Piper as... I'd be lying if I actually tried to even guess the name at this point. I'm still after this episode guessing names, but... I do only know one interesting fact about Doctor Who, that Russell T Davies, I think, wrote it or was involved in the writing process. I'm sorry, Doctor Who fans, if you're listening, you want to kill me. Um, I make up for it in really inappropriate jokes and baking cakes and uh, giving good head. But <laughs> um, it's truly been such a lovely experience talking about wrestling, which, not going to lie to all of you, I'd said that last week, that wrestling's something I loved growing up. And making this connection really brought me back to my roots. And I got in touch with myself in ways that I didn't. And that's not a dirty pun. Um, and I've missed that. So this has been really fun. This drag artist is exceptional. The work they do is brilliant. Their shows, digital producing shows is hard, by the way. So anyone that can do it um, deserves a massive pat on the fucking back. Um, and it's my pleasure to bring to you my interview with... Um, the inspirational and brilliant um, and just really fun, really fun and lovely, Salmonella. Hello everyone, thanks for joining us tonight. I have got a really exceptional drag artist joining me. Uh, this is going to be quite a fun, different episode. I feel like I'm going back to my roots in some ways. Um, and what a, what better person to help guide me that way than the amazing Salmonella. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you feeling today? I'm good. I've got my Tuesday um, good mood on, if such a thing exists, mm-hmm. and I'm here to, as I said to you before we started recording, spill the coffee on all things <laughs> me. So is it, <laughs> let's do it. Is it decaf or an extra shot? <laughs> oh, it's an extra. It's always an extra shot. Double espresso with a wee bit of foam on top. You know, just oh, a wee bit maybe of some sugar, chocolate sprinkles. It's Christmas soon. Oh, so you know what? <laughs> I totally feel that. I hate when like. I often right, hate this, but you know when you go to like um, a cafe and you just hear the sort of old biddy going, oh yeah, no sugar, I'm sweet enough. Well, I am old biddy. <laughs> it's me. me, I'm old biddy. <laughs> I'm old biddy now in drag. That's literally just my like calling. I'm totally here for it. But I did, you know, I was so guilty of it this week. I went to Starbucks and was like, right, it's time to get the festive coffee going. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. it's, it's funny because like, I'm not like a huge like, I'm going to say something controversial, by the way, that a lot of people wouldn't like, but I'm not a huge pumpkin spice fan. I can't stand it myself, honestly. I just oh I find God. it too... I'm not really... I'm quite plain when it comes to my coffee. Like I'll be the one that goes into Starbucks and just orders like a cappuccino because I'm feeling frisky. <laughs> um, that's... <laughs> <laughs> with like again just like a little bit of chocolate sprinkles and then like my friend always like why don't you get like some hazelnut or something and I'm like well I could but I won't because yeah. 
I won't enjoy it the same. I'm quite I'm quite old fashioned that way. No frills, as most people know. <laughs> I love that. Like for me, it's like I went and got an eggnog latte with my friend, <clears throat> and she'd said to me, "An eggnog latte," and I was like, "Oh God, the judgment's already out, fucking hell!" But it's true, <laughs> like because I used to get gingerbread ones quite a lot, which are obviously lovely, but. I think because I drink a lot of gym and le- lemon and ginger tea, I'm just like, I already get something like that. Do you know what I mean? Whereas eggnog lattes, I mean, when are you ever going to really have an eggnog latte in your house? Do you know what I mean? I've never even, I didn't even think we could get eggnog over here. I thought it was like a strictly Simpsons thing. Like, oh, well. It just existed in the Simpsons universe. Not, very yeah. apt for me after the video I've been editing last night. Uh, more to come for that. So oh, before well. we bang on with this episode, because this is going to be fun, I can tell. Um, could you just introduce people on the episode that are listening to who you are? Of course, yeah. So if you don't know me, um, my drag name is Sawanella. I've been a Glasgow-based queen for the last four years, three, four years. I can't really remember. It just, it's all been kind of like, I'll just kind of get strung into one. Um, I am probably best known on the scene for my stand-up comedy and my um, questionable Dance moves, I think, is probably another kind of good way of doing it. I am that bitch in the Doc Martens. Um, and I I suppose I really like drinking pints of tenants as well. That's how Chanel O'Connor introduced me at tracks and it. She drinks tenants. Welcome <laughs> to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of it, yeah. Um I, I have quite like show. that. I have my own show, Infectious, which was previously monthly and nice and sleazy in Glasgow. It has since um I don't want to say skipped to digital drag. It's more sort of just been dragged, kicking and screaming towards digital drag. Um, but that's kind of my my gig. You've probably seen me in the smoking area, just sort of nodding along politely to comments about drag race. So. Uh, yeah, that is just so relatable with the drag race thing. You know, obviously they put out that call out for season three and I've had a lot of my um, high school friends that are sort of straight lassies who are lovely. They're my biggest fans, and they'll go to... They used to come to Lip Line all the time, and um, nights at CCs and stuff, and even when I DJed, they were like... And I, when I did a night in the fly half, actually, they were always there because we, I'm from Leaf, and they're all Leafers, and they all live within five minutes walking distance, so of them, it was a cheap night out of go see Jordy, get pissed, do I have to get a taxi home? And it was great. <laughs> um, but they had said to me, oh, you know, Drag Race call out. I saw that on their Facebook, and I was like... Are you okay? <laughs> but it's, it's, you know what? Like, I totally understand why. And it's, I do actually, Joe, you know I never thought I'd say this, but the longer this pandemic's going on, I'm actually really starting to miss the comparisons I'm getting to um, Drag Race Queens when I'm in the smoking area. <laughs> I actually I miss kinda, that. I kind of miss just the, I miss the innocence of someone just like screaming up to you, like, have you seen that RuPaul? I watch RuPaul all the time. I'm a big RuPaul fan. I'm like, no, you're not. You're a drag you know race fan. I also love that because a lot of the time, and I'm not like being shady intended when I say this, but they'll stand there and go, Oh, yeah, I love that RuPaul and I love Drag Race, blah, blah. But I don't think they could probably name one quote from an episode or even a full episode and how that who went out. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't actually think they can. I think they've skimmed it and went, Let's chuck this on, gals, for the pre party playlist. And then they went, Yes, Queen. And that's it. Like, they're like, oh, who needs a DJ? We've got Drag Race. That is probably what they're doing, and it's totally fine. But um, I remember once, just before we crack on with this, I just remember once this um, lassie said to me, oh, yeah, do you do those death drops? And I was like, you clearly know nothing about me. Like, <laughs> you think with my poor lungs, I'll be death dropping. I'll lose a lung just bending, doing, like, come on. Like... If you do, it's not part of the act. It's, it'll just happen. <laughs> it's naturally. Like, it's like, oh, Jordy, why back in hospital? And I'm like, oh, death drop. <laughs> yeah. 
They're like, what's I that? You I, I thought you said you weren't going to do them anymore. Ah, well, I, <laughs> I totally get that. So, um, Why that cheap pop? <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's, uh, let's crack on. So before we kind of go down the route of drag and sort of your drag experiences, um, where did you grow up and study and live before you kind of decided to pursue drag? Um, so I am a I am a Kilmarnock boy, born and bred. I have been for all my life. Um, kind of grew up. Went to went to a school. It was quite. Um, I'd like my my school experience was actually okay. It was just I was just quite academic and quite kept to myself and stuff. Um, there wasn't really like a, there was always something in the back of my mind that was like, okay, I would like to do like drama or acting or something one day. But we didn't have like a drama department at my school. Oh, we right. just had like a. We had a music department and it was basically the kind of, the vibe was, if you can sing, great. If you can, um, the PE department's down that way. <laughs> um, right. So that was, okay. I, couldn't, I couldn't really do either. So I just kind of um, stuck to art. But no, I've, I did well in school. I went to, um, I studied at University of Strathclyde for six years. Um, I got I got two degrees from there. I sound like Rain of Destruction. I've got two degrees. Um, and, um, so I've got one in English and I've recently got a degree in translation and interpreting with my because I can speak oh. French as well just in case anyone didn't see me um, brag about <laughs> that on Twitter for three months um, that's kind of where I was at um, when I was at uni I was part of a drama group as well we did a couple of shows uh, a year we did things like Alice in Wonderland we did um, A Christmas Carol but it was like set in the 80s because it was a student play so it had to be like all that kind of way oh, yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Scrooge had a mullet um, that was that was it was excellent. Tiny Tim was, um, he didn't have the flu. He had, I, I'm not even going to say what he had, because <laughs> it was the 80s. Um, God. <laughs> we did things like that, so that was kind of fun. Um, I still live in Kilmarnock. I'm going to be moving to Glasgow in a couple of weeks' time, so that's going to be exciting. I'm finally going to be a city person. Um, I'm moving in with my friend Vonnie, who you might all know as Bunty Bombscare. Um, wow. So that's going to be exciting. I'm taking the place of low-key love handles in that flat equation. <laughs> so oh, right. that's going to be fun. But yeah, 24 years in the place where they filmed the scheme. It's, um, it's time to move on. <laughs> so, right, I have something I'm going to ask that's so random and not in the list of questions I would normally ask, right? Is this, right, right. and please don't laugh because I'm so dim sometimes, right? Two degrees myself and I am so dim. E-N stroke F-R means you can speak English and French. Yes. <laughs> because people were putting like E-N stroke F-R on Tinder and I went, what does that mean? And I thought, is there like something I've not done? Have I not done my Myers-Briggs properly? And I went, what does it mean? And I saw on your, <laughs> when I Facebooked you this link, I went, oh, E-N-F-R, do you know what? I can ask them what yeah. that means. And it literally, it just, again, everything flies past me, two degrees and still your question, like acronyms, like there you go. <laughs> Some, somebody actually saw that and they messaged me on tinder been like is that your personality traits i'm an epft or whatever it's called i was like um no can i believe you just outed me on this podcast like that that was really rude <laughs> <laughs> totally no, we were um, just saying before this we were just saying before this we'd never met as well it's, it's terrible i love it <laughs> so i love that you're talking actually just about like this sort of thing that schools didn't have him um, acting and drama courses, because you know what, when I was at school, we were doing advanced hire and someone at one point was going to come and do advanced hire with us because we had a drama department. I mean, it wasn't, it was a shame because there was no funding in that school for the drama department. Most recently, actually, the Edinburgh National Festival, who I worked with, who funded my MA, 
have told me that they're putting a fancy new drama studio into my school, which is amazing because it really, I mean, me 10 years ago would have been like, please give us like a lighting board that's not just a wee red gel thing you put in a light and you go up and doing, come on. But <laughs> it's honestly, that's what it was. It was just like, right, gals, if you want different gels, you're going to have to take them out and put them in. And I was like, what are we living in the 70s? But it's totally, it probably was there since the 70s, actually. So were the teachers. So, um, I, when you mentioned that, it's it's a shame because like, I'm so, I'm, I know my privilege that I got to experience like drama at school because a lot of schools didn't. Um, I think Portobello in one, in Edinburgh, Portobello one year just didn't do it because the teacher retired and they didn't hire a new teacher. Do you know what I mean? It's nuts. Yeah. They just kind of, I feel like drama at school, they just kind of, if, if it's cool and it's trendy, they'll pick it up and they'll, they'll maybe put like a fiver towards the funding of it. My God, yeah. Um, but if they kind of, like my school was certainly kind of based more on, like the head teacher was very based on like academic statistics. Like if you did well at English and maths and you had a language thrown in there and you had a couple of sciences maybe thrown in there as well, then you were destined for greatness. Um, towards the end of it, we kind of like moved, the music department moved towards like musical theatre. And when I was in sixth year, we did We Will Rock You. But again, it was the kind of vibe. It was like, if you can't sing, then, you know. You weren't doing that, yeah. Yeah, can you lift props or something? And, like, I, I'm i not going to sit here and say that I'm, like, Lola Fierce or something, like, because I cannot sing at all. Um, but I managed to kind of, like, I held a note for about maybe a second in my audition. So I was like, okay, you can be um, policeman number three or something. Um, like, I had, like, one line, I think, um, which was fine. But at, the time, at that time, I didn't really, you know, I... It was always in the back of my mind that I was like kind of drama oriented, but there was just wasn't. You didn't have the resources, and, yeah. Yeah, unless you were like Susan Boyle, there was no point in like <laughs> there was no opportunities. <laughs> so, what got you into drag then? I know we're bre- touching briefly on having that artistic creative development and not having it at school, but what got you into drag? What made you kind of, if you could tell us when you started drag and what got you into that, would be great. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'll kind of. Before I started, I was always like a big fan of like films with with drag in it. Things like Mrs. Doubtfire, and it's like cliched, but Mrs. Doubtfire no. was like the first thing I saw with like um, when I was younger. I used to watch Blankety Blank on the TV when um, Lily Savage was the host. You know, shout out Lily if you're listening. Probably not. <laughs> um, and things like even like I mean I know it's not like necessarily cool to like it nowadays, but like Mrs. Burns Boys was on TV when I was growing up as well. So that was like I was always quite interested in the the aspect of it. If like because a lot of that was it involved sort of just like see if you just look past the fact that it's someone dressed up, like if you can appreciate the humor for it or appreciate just the kind of like the funnel time that it is. I was always quite interested in that. Even kind of like in my kind of later teen years I discovered things like Paris is Burning and Tu Wong Fu and things like that um even I mean this is partly due to my friendship with Lucy but like Party Monster as well is another oh, cat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a must watch definitely and then when I was at my kind of drama group and stuff when I was in second year um Sophie Sophia who's another great classical queen um she joined and literally within like we did like icebreakers at the start of the session and she was like Okay, well, my interesting fact is that I'm a drag queen. And I was like, okay, this is um, interesting. I was kind of like, I was kind of like not completely out at the time either. So I was kind of like, this is so cool. But also like on my face, I was like, this is horrible. (laughs) 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 Who is this? Um, And then 
so she kind of started to kind of make waves and stuff and then eventually I got introduced to Marie St. Sandy who's a really good friend of mine um underrated creative genius in the scene I have to say um, very like, very talented I remember yeah, Fauna did um, Fauna done that show back pretty much in March April earliest that sort of mm-hmm. one-off show that Fauna done and I'd never I didn't know who Marie was so when I watched I was like Oh yeah, fucker! This is incredible, and this is what. <laughs> but that's the stuff. Like, I'm very artifactly like that. That dragged on in any way that's not sort of um, death drops and splits. Uh, don't get me wrong; I'm not disregarding people doing that because I think, wow, mm-hmm. power to you. I can't even bend in with it getting pain. But um, <laughs> you know, that honestly was like that was for me. Uh, oh, this is like me. I love that sort of stuff, and being able to do spoken word and poetry and all these other art arty farty mm-hmm. things are just my like forte and that was great so you're totally right yeah i think she's definitely like and i can kind of appreciate it myself she's sort of one of those people who's taken drag beyond just like the the sort of the i don't want to say like cookie cutter but like just what what you would what you would expect a drag show to totally. be like she's kind of taking it beyond that um so i got i got introduced to her and then also that kind of this was like mid 2016 i want to say so at that time i was at that time, I was kind of starting to watch like Drag Race and things like that as well. That was the first thing that kind of opened my possibilities <laughs> of like, okay, maybe that like drag is something that you can do. It's not just like your pantomime dame, and I'm not like disregarding that whatsoever. But like, it's not just like, you know, get on stage with a bright blue eyes and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that that kind of opened my eyes in that kind of way. And then Sophie got her first gig at Mother Tucker, um, which for those of you who don't know that are listening, that was a Once Upon a Time, R.I.P., um, a themed weekly show in Glasgow where they would be given um, a, a theme to do, and it would be like themed, bespoke performances. It was great. She got her first gig there, and at the time it was still in Katie's Bar in Glasgow, and that was my first kind of glimpse of like, oh, wait, people do this locally as well. It's not just a, you you wake up, you put a wig on, and suddenly RuPaul is telling you to lip sync. Um, like it actually, there's like a, a structure to it. Um, a hierarchy, if you want to call it that. Um, mm-hmm. and, th- and I first kind of started going along to that. And then Halloween was coming up um, that year. And I was kind of like tossing into her and thinking, like, what am I going to do? What should I dress up as? Should I go as like Scream for the third year in a row? Should I go as Batman? All that kind of stuff. And then a girl that I worked with in a bar in Kilmarnock was a, was a makeup artist. And she was like, well, if you've got time on the Friday, I need someone to basically to, to work on for, I think she was doing beauty therapy or something at college so she was like I need someone to work on um to do for like a, for a project and the, the kind of theme is like exaggerated makeup and if you've seen the picture it was not exaggerated makeup at all it was like white girl like tea in the park right, highlighter across okay. the cheek like kind of stuff so basically um, my drag but okay <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that um, I, I know I've been so, making a good career out of it <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know um, what? I get what you mean because I once got asked to do someone's um, whole opposite. But I once got asked to do someone's makeup course, and it was um, on me to do a drag look. And I was like, "All right, okay." And she's like, "No, just a simple drag look, blah blah." And I mean, I let her do it because it was her makeup. But I remember thinking to myself years later, like, "Jesus Christ, simple makeup!" Like I did honestly look like Panto Dame, but I'd been on the sesh for four days. <laughs> 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 love you Amy Lamore <laughs> deep friend of the pod Amy Lamore <laughs> love it but as you were love saying it. sorry so no I'm so sorry um, so yeah that kind of ha- I ended up doing like a full bar shift 
for Halloween that year, basically in, in drag. I was dressed like basically I dressed like a Dordalano is one way of putting that. Um, I think like I've seen the, that image actually. I've seen that photo. Yeah, I was like, I didn't even have like proper denim shorts. I basically just cut up a pair of old jeans and I was like, these will stay on all night. Bear in mind, I was like 10 stone soaking wet at the time. So it was like, I was just kind of like, it was a, it was an experience. Um, and then a few days later, I got I got in touch with a girl again and I was like, would you mix? I didn't know, I still don't really know a lot about makeup, but like, I didn't know anything about makeup at that time. So I was like, <clears throat> would you mind, like, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you if you want, like, can you, Put me up again because I wanted to go to. I think Suck was on in Delmonica's that night. It was a Wednesday. Um, I was like, I, I just want to go out and drag and see how it kind of goes. And people were quite welcoming, you know. Like, uh, Amphetamine was like one of the first people that I spoke to. She's like, she gravitates towards kind of newer queens, and she was really sweet. Um, gave me a couple of pointers, basically, like you know, maybe get some actual denim shorts instead of just cutting up like your jeans from when you were fourteen, um, <laughs> <laughs> and and things like that. Um, Sophie was great. Like Marie was really kind of supportive. I got. I started talking to like the mother sucker girls, um, like Rujazzo, like CJ is also CJ Banks is also from Kilmarnock, so we had that kind of right, connection. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. She went to the Catholic school. I went to the Prodi school. Um, oh, wow, <laughs> so, right, okay. Like you know, <laughs> um, so we had that kind of. I always, I always kind of like, I was sort of like looking for ways to to perform more because that drama group I was in, we only did two shows a year, and there was like one at Christmas and one at mm-hmm. Easter time. Mm-hmm. so it's like I, I kind of once you've and you'll know yourself what I mean by this like once you get the bug you kind of want to mm-hmm. do it more um and I, I was kind of getting into things like we then like a few weeks after that we had Clash of Clans and in Delmonica's where everyone from all over Scotland came and performed literally everyone you had like people from Aberdeen you had all the kind of main shows in Edinburgh were represented at that time I think as well um like Rabbit Hole and all mm-hmm. those other kind of stuff um and that was that was like my first sort of experience because there was like fifty queens and dells that night like in mm. or out of drag, so that was my kind of good like kind of icebreaker moment. Um, and then I took a few months after that. I kind of took a few months off just because I had like underlying health things. I was in hospital and stuff, and mm. then eventually I came back. And by the time I got better and stuff, like they had started doing the suck off, which is like a weekly lip sync competition in dells. Um, so that was how I kind of started performing. It was god awful when I did it, um, but. What did you perform? Was, so, so we were given a... I had to do, like, a lip-sync battle. It was against the queen who was in the scene at the time called Frankie Stone. She's... I was going to say she's no longer with us. She's still alive, um, but she's just not doing drag anymore. <laughs> um, we got given Rather Be by um, oh, Queen yeah. Bandit and Jess Glenn, Glass Gin herself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, an odd, uh, um, what an odd song to do, actually, because I love... That's one of my favourite songs I used to DJ years ago, but... I couldn't imagine me lip syncing it. It's a, it's a good um, it's a good floor filler. It's mm, not necessarily. That's what I would say, yeah. It's got like a lot of like peaks and troughs to it as a song. There's not really a bit where you can sort of like pick it up. And I decided to go with the weird angle of like my friends had brought me back like a dildo shaped bottle opener from Spain. I came up with the angle of like performing the song to that. Yeah, Mama. It was garbage. <laughs> I mean, I remember I did um, Chalky's Drag Race, RIP to that as well. Christ, I keep saying RIP into this. I feel like we're cleansing and loads of things are leaving. Um, but I remember doing that years ago, back in the day, Christ, when I just first started kind of trying to do this properly. Properly, but you know what I mean? Like, um, But I, I did, um, they were like, we're doing Divas Week. 
And I was like, all right. And me trying to be that edgy fucking Aquarius I am, I was like, well, I want to do like a diva that no one will expect. Because, you know, like, I love Whitney and Mariah and all that. But I went, yeah. but I want to do one that they're really going to keep guessing. Because every week I was doing stuff that they wouldn't actually anticipate. And they'd go, oh, right. I didn't think that would happen, but actually it worked. And nine out of ten times it did work. But that night, I remember, like, Scylla, Slack, Blesser, loved it, obviously. And a lot of people did enjoy it. But I kind of had that um, moment that, you know, I did How Do I Live? by Leanne Rhymes to what a vibe to love that what song to a vibrator with an oxygen mask on <laughs> and um maybe was a bit too tongue-in-cheek five years later I'm like oh dear but it was do you know it was quite funny but I remember them saying do you know what that performance was was actually hilarious and brilliant I thought thank you and they went but I wouldn't really class it a diva. And I kind of was like, well, and I just stood there and was like, well, it was on the Divas album my mum had in the car driving, so it, she must be a diva. <laughs> Listen, Leanne Rhymes is a diva. Um, I remember there's like a, I have like a video of like the first three or four years of my life. Um, my, one of my aunties put it together and there's literally, a, <laughs> I tried to tell myself that I wasn't queer when I was younger, but there's literally me on this like dance floor. It's at like ha- Haven or like, Bradley Bear or something in Blackpool, just like one of those like caravan parks kind of things. Me just kind of like wandering around aimlessly to can't fight the moonlight while it's on the dance floor. Um, Leanne Leanne Rhymes is a diva. I will accept nothing but that take from people. (laughs) I get everyone has opinions, but if your opinion is that she's not a diva, then you're wrong. I love that. Also, like a massive shout out to Butlins because I used to go every year with my family and I loved it. (laughs) It was the bit. It was the best time, like you go swimming at 10 o'clock in the morning, then you um, can go like a walk or something. Go like It was where we used to go, it was like 10 minutes from Blackpool Pleasure Beach, so it would be like, Lovely. at lunchtime, like go, go to the, I mean, it was five at a time, so go to the roller coasters that I can get on um, <laughs> and come back with whiplash because they were all just these big rickety wooden fuckers. Like, <laughs> but yeah, no, like definitely, like, I would if, see, I would go to Butlins now, to be honest. Like, I remember like when I was turning 21 or 22, I was trying to get my friends to go to like Alton Towers with me or something, but it never actually, it never, nothing ever takes off when you try to plan stuff at, in adulthood. Cause it's always Not like, at that age, no. <laughs> you know, things, things like work and stuff get in the way, so it was just like, totally. okay, I'll go myself. <laughs> I didn't actually go myself, but maybe one day, maybe for tw- I'm 25 next year, that can be my, if, if we can actually go anywhere when I'm 25, then that'll be my, my landmark thing. Totally. <laughs> it's funny because um, Amy Lamore would know this because she'll be listening and she'll share this podcast. She's good for that. And she'll know that the one trip that I planned with my friend when we were, God, it would have been five years ago. So 2015, so I'd have been 20, nearly 21 because it was just before I moved into Halls. And um, we went to a log cabin up at just outside of Stirling. Now, you know, me and this friend, you know, we got asked for a deposit. The friend was like, oh, yeah, I'll just pay it. And I was like, oh, no, no, I think we should all put money in just in case it happens. Because we'll not lie to you, me and Amy are part of the house of liability for a fucking reason. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was like, gal, you're getting asked for 250 quid. Maybe we should put 50 quid in each just in case there was five of us. And honestly, that was the most unstable weekend. It turned out when I got back that I actually had a blood infection because I was like delirious drinking, like off the wall. Amy was shouting Blake at Swans outside thinking she was Amy Winehouse. I mean, they were smashing stuff up drunk. It was a riot. And I'm like, glad I did it once, only once. But when I got back, I remember being like, oh, I'm so hungover. This is hellish. I feel like I'm going to like pass out. But I actually went to hospital that the next day just by chance and was like, they were like, you aren't, don't look well. And I went, oh, I'm really hungover. And they were like, 
you don't look hungover. And then they checked my bloods and they were like, you've got a blood infection. And I was like, right, that makes sense why I was so bammy at the weekend. But it was really interesting putting together sort of a thing like that. And I just thought to myself, maybe that's why we don't at 20 put things away that cost money. Um, so yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I might just go to a log cabin on my own next time, definitely. <laughs> I think, I mean, Amy Lamore, bless her, any any sort of, like, session that involves her, you're probably going to lose, like, a vital organ at some point, so... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so you were talking about this uh, performance of Rather Be with uh, yes. a dildo-shaped drink. Bottle opener. Bottle opener, that's it. <laughs> it was multifunctional, man, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it was... I think it was what, like, CJ came up to me after it and was like, see if you hadn't taken it out right at the beginning of the song. Right, if you'd, uh-huh. like, mm-hmm. if you'd revealed it or something, then maybe you would have kind of stood a chance. But to be honest, like, I was really green. Like, I didn't really, I'd, obviously I'd acted for a few years at that point, but lip syncing and, like, performing in drag is completely different from acting. You've got to, like, yeah. assume, like, this kind of other, it's kind of like being in, like, a soap opera or something. Like, you have to, like, assume this mm-hmm. full persona and then channel that persona through whatever song or concept it is that you're doing. And at the time, I was just kind of like, I think, and I've seen a few people do this when they start drag, it's like you're just desperate to start performing, but you're not actually cognizant of the fact that you've got to be prepared before you go on. Yeah, do you know what? It's so funny because I often, now that I'm a granny in drag, basically, I often tell younger drag artists that want to start doing it or that they've done performance. And because I... I spent a lot of my drag career, especially looking for validation from a lot of people. And I think I'd seen Rude tweeted something ages ago that was like, you know, we're so dependent on likes on Instagram. And I was like, yeah, I feel that. Even doing this five years in the game, I still feel like that. But Mm -hmm. I was looking for validation from one, the wrong people. When you, you spend a lot of your life looking for validation from just the wrong people. And one day you have a sort of light switch moment where you go, oh, wow, that actually totally shouldn't have been happening. I shouldn't have been looking to them for that. But, you know... Mm when you're starting this out especially because obviously I've done theater as well as drag I mean like you know there's no as much as studying theater as well it says you know there's all this and you should do all this toolkit stuff and this is how to do it there's not really a right or wrong you have to just do it and experience it and learn on the job really and with exactly and with that comment CJ Love made which is great they've done that actually and you know I had to learn that that I did performances and it's like when you throw away the punchline in a joke and people are like, oh, yeah. like I saw Catherine Tate show years ago and she was doing the sketch of the, oh, I know, like, I don't know, with the guy um, where they're like, I can't remember what the accent is, but they do this funny, I don't know, sketch. And she'd halfway in, gave the punchline away. And it just fucked it up, obviously. So she just live went, oh, I fucked up and gave the punchline. <laughs> Everyone howled because <laughs> breaking character. But it's the same with drag, really, that, you know, I get that, that if you are doing a performance that's, for example, a dildo, or even just, like, um, it's true, though, it's like, you know, we would never, the way I look at it is, you've never put together a mix, and the comedy is only at the beginning, because no one gets a chance to invest in the performance. They just go, oh, funny speech, oh, okay, performance, whereas you do a little bit at the beginning, and throughout, you add through it, people then go, oh, I'm getting the story, it's the narrative, and they also, they wait for the punchline. So it's all true. I feel, yeah, I like the comedy mixes that sort of, as like you say, it's sort of peppered through. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one routine that I do. But it's not my best, but I still like doing it. It's like my, I do Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift, but it has like loads of different Scottish sound bites, like 
peppered in through it. Like you've got like you're disgusting, and you've got um, <laughs> like the what's that? Vid- it's like the video that Paul Black does. Like that. I don't give a fuck, John. I'll rattle her cunt right across the floor. I do that. Oh, it's okay. really funny. Um, there's like a but at the start of it, there's like a minute and a half long rant of this woman. She can't find vinegar in Tesco, and she's fuming. But I think she's actually from Kelly. I'm not. Sure. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> um, she could be. Kids. I recognise that Tesco car park anywhere, um, <laughs> but I think it's like I, I enjoy doing it, but I'm still looking for ways to maybe make that bit at the beginning shorter or to make it easier myself. Maybe just learn the words. That would be <laughs> that would also be favourable. Uh, I think I've got to tell you something now. I love that you're mentioning Tears of Luke. What you may do? So I've been looking the last couple of days at old performances for him. Jobs have been applying for and stuff, and one was like, oh, you know, kind of name a performance that you did that you loved that had an outfit that you thought was amazing, right? So I did, you know Tracy Emin is, the artist? She did that thing about her bed. She was yes. like, here's my bed with piss stains and condoms. And I was like, that's just me on a good day. Like, but, yeah. <laughs> but she did that years ago and she's such a controversial artist. I love her. I want to be her best pal personally, but um, <laughs> she was the only person to go on telly and she did this art. It's just like speaking at an art gallery thing where all, they, all of them were drinking wine, talking about art and how amazing it was and you know that middle class wanky thing about the art world that I don't like and she was like are people actually watching this so funny she was like are people actually watching this and they were like yeah Tracy she was hammered but I read her book and it said that she'd went there off her face on coke and been steaming and was like people are actually watching this people are watching think about that I'm away I've had a great time bye fuck yous and I was like oh my god but I loved it because the art world just has that thing about it that I'm like oh like as especially after doing an art degree, I'm like, oh, I can't buy, buy into this. But the point of the performance was that, and I caused a bit of controversy in the queer community in Edinburgh. <laughs> I love it. Um, as, but, as things often do. Yeah. So I did, I did uh, Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and City. And I'd done four moments in Sex and City where the women slate the men. But it's really funny. Like One of them's like, I can't be bothered being married to your penis. Like, shove it up your ass. And I was like, yes. But then one was like, it was just like Samantha being like, I love you too, but I love me more, blah, blah. And I was like, yes. But I did it wearing a skirt that was like Tracy Emmons' tent she designed and it had all my ex-boyfriend's names on it. <laughs> and I ripped them off during it and was like ripping them slowly and everyone was like screaming. <laughs> the rabble people like, love, people love that. I, mean, I saw someone do something. <laughs> it was when like Shout Out to My Ex by Little Mix came out. People oh, would yeah. like they would get their sharpies and they would write their ex's names on like their arms or something and then like rip their sleeves off and I'm like get it sis like (laughs) so let's talk about your show so um you said you've got you were doing a show before the pandemic happened called um infectious yeah yes could you talk before the pandemic happened before the pandemic happened it was called it is it's unfortunately named now that it's called infectious and we've got oh, this right, okay, in the world. Yeah. But um, but so yeah, it kind of it started off. So I to kind of give you the kind of backstory for it because there's a bit of a there's like a kind of a run up to the first show that I kind of want to touch on as well. Mm-hmm, um, okay. I, I did, so I did a competition in Glasgow called Suck You, which was basically like a drag race style competition kind of thing. I went out in like week two, um, just because you know admittedly I probably wasn't ready for something of that magnitude but at the time I had started like kind of visualizing in my head I was like people would always kind of said to me in the scene because I would do these things I would go to shows and like they would give you like 30 seconds on the microphone to introduce yourself or like Mm -hmm. I don't know just 
sometimes maybe if I was feeling confident, I would ask for the microphone after a number just to do like a kind of hello, eh, Sterling or something, you know, just <laughs> like shout out these really random, like hello, eh, Motherwell, like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, people always kind of said to me, your main kind of strength is hosting or stand up, um, just basically anything that involves a microphone. Um, as you can see now, I'm holding my own microphone while I'm talking to you. Um, so I was kind of like, okay, this is... So, so then I started kind of brainstorming, I started speaking to people. I was like, could this be something that I could do? Like, the, the initial idea was like, okay, let's do a one-woman show. Um, wow. I'll, do like an, I'll do like an hour. Um, it would just it would be like a mix of like stand-up. There would be some lip-syncing in there. Admittedly, like, I'm not like the strongest lip-syncer in the world, but I will put that in because that's what people want to see. They want, and yeah. I can do I can do things that I can kind of stay in my lane with that. I'll play to my strengths with it. So it kind of started off as that. And then people, um, and then I got a, a good venue. Like I was working with Nice and Sleazy for a while in Glasgow. Um, they, they were in my venue before the before the pandemic. Um, they kind of offered me like, okay, we can give you this date. Um, I think it was the 14th of August or something, just about a year and a half ago now. We can give you this. Um, they kind of ran through like the logistics of it, like the, like the stage hire and like how many people can fit in the room and stuff I was like okay I could sell tickets for this as well um because it is like I always do like when it is in the venue I do do it like ticketed entry just because of the way it, kind of, uh-huh. the logistics of it it just makes sense for that um, yeah totally so it kind of started off as that and then I was like okay well it's only an hour like, I, I don't really want to if people are going to be paying like a fiver I don't want it just to be for a one hour thing because like, for some people like a lot of my friends from Kilmarnock were coming up to see it so I was like if they're going to make the drive through to Glasgow, I want to give them a night of it. So then I got chatting to Lucy and she was like, well, we've got like, you know loads of people, why don't you do like a little kind of pre-show kind of thing? And uh-huh. I, like, and she and then she was like, I'll host it. And I was like, I'm sure you will. <laughs> and she was like, I'll, I'll host it. <laughs> I was like, okay, sold. Um, and she was like, she was kind of thinking about getting into like deed starting to think about getting into DJing at that point as well. So I was like, okay, well, mm-hmm. I don't know about DJing, but you can certainly push play when I tell you to. Like, that's that's what I need, really. I don't need, like, a... I had, like, a playlist. I don't know. She made a playlist for me as well, so that was... Decent, That was yeah. decent. Um, so we got we got people like, like Lola got involved, Marie got involved, um, my friend Amy, who you may previously know as Cotton Storm, if you're listening, got involved. Oh. Such a good performer, just so engaging. Um, Queen Queef got involved as well. So it's kind of like okay, this is this is going somewhere. I kind of like how it's going. So then we kind of ran with the idea. It's like it's a basically a tale of two shows kind of thing. You have your standard drag show with your host, and then your four guest performers in the first half, and then the second half you have like this kind of fringe style comedy event with me. It's just me at the helm of it all. Um, so that was cool. And then as the, and you'll know this yourself, having hosted your own show, as you start to sort of hype your own show, you get messaged by the most random people in the scene been like, hey, are you looking for, like, a, another performer at your show? Um, I, I would really love to... It sounds like a really good idea. I'd love to get involved. Where is it? Is mm. it in the garage? I was like, no, but thanks for your address. Like, can tell you're really invested in the product here. Um, so then that that starts to kind of pick up as well. And then Sleazy's kind of messaged me, and we're like, if this is something you're looking to do kind of regularly, we do have, like... This kind of, it was like the third Wednesday of the month or something. So right. we have this kind of thing. If you're interested, is this something that you could? Do you reckon you could fill a room? And at the time, I was kind of like, I didn't really know what was how it was going to be. I was like, I'll either go 
I, I remember that kind of like spate of shows a couple of years ago where it was like everyone had their own drag show. Like it uh-huh. would be like, oh yeah, a, it'd be like in a working man's pub in Glenrothes or something, or like, <laughs> like totally, um, yeah. Come to work out Wednesdays at the <laughs> Stag and Thistle and Newton Mairns or something. <laughs> like you know, it's <laughs> stuff like that. And I was like, I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be like. I'm not like discrediting any of the artists that put those shows together because if no, you did, not at all, yeah. If you did, if you did go along to them, they were fun nights. They were just in the wrong backdrop. Like it was, you it's had like, your, you had like your ten to twelve people who were actually there to see the show who would like sit mm. front row, aka like the big table next to the stage. Um, <laughs> but then you would just have like the regulars of the pub with like their backs to the, to the show, just sort of like paint it dust kind of thing i was like i don't want it to be like that i want it to be as nice and sleazy i've always been kind of revered as like a queer friendly venue so i was like if i put it in there they can put me in like their basement bar downstairs i'm out of the road of the people who just want to drink upstairs in the pub and then we have like a dedicated audience down there that was my kind of thinking of it makes sense because when um phil phil her in uh used to be a co-host uh, dragged me to the pond at the pond in Leith and loved the pond because I used to go there occasionally with my ex actually years ago for drinks and it was really nice and relaxed and a lovely and a lovely garden area that was gorgeous for parties but you did get I was talking to them just on Monday about this that you do get sort of the people that are there for the show and then the people that aren't there and you will find in venues like CC's the street in Edinburgh um, Dells all these places AXM that there will be more of a percentage of people going for the drag as opposed to people that maybe are, like you said, 10 people at the front loving it, but then the people at the bar are like, oh, fuck, this is on. And you, you understand why, because, you know, it's a great atmosphere, don't get me wrong, but it can be stressful for performers and especially hosts. And with yeah. um, the queer community, like, you know, like not every person in the queer community does actually want to do, um, you know, does want to go to a drag show like you know i'm i'm, I'm yeah. basically i can't and i'm shit just shit but house liability are going to be when the pandemic settles down eh, i'm like ready for this Ooh. to finish we will be going weekly friday at an amazing venue that i know people will come for it but there's often queer people that'll go oh is that oh no i'm not really feeling that i just want to have a wee drink i don't want to go to a show because it's usually people that it just isn't for them you know what i mean but um it's good you managed to get a venue that were supportive of that, though. Yeah, like it, it's not for everyone. Definitely, like for it wasn't my thing until I started it. But you, it's, I think it's one of the things you've kind of got. To, it's like I said, you've kind of got to let the bug bite you for it. Like yeah. it just, it'll, it'll come to you if, if it's for you, it'll come to you. Um, and then it kind of grew arms and legs from there. Just like more people were wanting to get involved. Like there was people who were like established artists, but they were moving into the Scottish scene who wanted to be involved as well. And I was like, well, this is kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. we're getting somewhere and then we did things like we did like our competition which was the Royal Rumble back in January which oh of course <laughs> anyone anyone who knows me knows that there's a, there's a, a double meaning behind that um, and that was the like the response we even got just for people wanting to compete in that was like amazing it's always been like a good between the competition and between like the shows I've done, it's always been a good mix of like seasoned people and the seasoned performers in the scene and people who are like up and coming but they're not quite there yet but they want like just somewhere to they want that platform and they want to work for that platform that's my mm-hmm. kind of rationale behind thinking it ended up being like and what people have always kind of said to me as well is like how inclusive the show has been um like people who don't do drag like my friends who 
from out with the scene who come and see it, they're like, oh wow, you've got like a lot of um, you've got a lot of women in your show, you've got a lot of you know gender non-conforming people in your show, but well, it's a drag show, so we're all gender non-conforming. But, totally, yeah, like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was just kind of, I didn't really think about it that way. I was just sort of like, I was like, Lucy said this when she was on a few weeks ago. Like, I didn't really think about, I wasn't thinking like, okay, I've got to have like two cis women. I've got to have, I've got to have a man. I've got to have like three non-binary people. I've yeah, got to make sure there's, I've got to like tick these boxes for representation. It just sort of happened. I just sort of, um, I thought about like who, who's received really well by my audience and who's, who, who do I also really want to work with? And most of the time it would be people who, or kind of off centre from what you think a drag queen is, or yeah, what people or think, what it should be, yeah, what it should be. Like it just sort of it kind of happened, kind of organically, and that's what I love about the show is that most of the good things that happened with it happened organically. None of it was forced, or like I didn't have, I never had my hand forced at any point by like management or sort of people wanting the show to be what they thought it should be. It just sort, of, I just kind of did it, and it all unfolded quite nicely. Yeah, it's funny because with the House of Liability, you know, I'm very pleased that I've got two drag kings as residents and a female queen as a resident. And then I've got Amy, obviously, mm-hmm. just Amy, of course, is in the House of Liability. But it's yeah. nice It's nice for me that I didn't put a call out and go, I need to have 500 drag kings and one drag queen. You know, it was, it was very much a, it just naturally happened. I'm just very fortunate that, you know, two of my drag sisters are a female queen and non-binary queen. And then two of my mm-hmm. sons are drag kings do you know what i mean like it's just yeah that's it like it was the way it crazy. happened so i think yeah. we're kind of past we're past the kind of point of where we were a few years ago but it was like i feel like shows almost felt like they had to issue a disclaimer a few years ago and like by the way we're inclusive to totally. not just men kind of thing like whisper yeah. wink wink nudge nudge now i feel like it should just be like it should just be a given that you're inclusive. If you're not an inclusive drag show, you've got mm. as much business being a drag show as fucking the X Factor. Do you know what I mean? So I think, though, like, that years <laughs> ago, I am glad that years ago that conversation happened because I think that if that hadn't happened, we probably wouldn't naturally have sought to be inclusive. You know what I mean? I think it's great the conversation happened and it's now nice that we've came full circle and it's now second language to us. It's not about, oh, do I, am yeah. I doing that? It's just you are doing that. Um, so how have mm-hmm. you found then transferring live shows to digital shows and performances have you found that because everyone i talk to does drag i'm like how are you finding editing putting stuff together like for this like oh how long do we have um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, i think joe something for like the most part it's been it's been challenging but in a good way like i think there's we're, we're kind of in a difficult kind of position in the scene just now because apart from like House of Liability, Infectious, you know, Mother Tucker pops up here and there, there's not really that many shows from the scene that are still active in the digital kind of age. A lot of people have just kind of went, this isn't for us, we're not going to do it. And I totally respect that. Like if you're if you don't feel like you can do something, then then don't do it. If you don't feel comfortable, yeah, exactly. Um I think for the most part it's been kind of I I've not really got my head around like the whole Twitch thing, like live streaming. So I have kind of found some solace in the idea of like pre-recording everything and just splicing it all together and then throwing it onto YouTube. The big issue for me has been like copyright things because it's Mm pre-recorded. It's easier for websites to crack down and material that you're using. Like I mentioned, we're talking about this before we came on, but like I literally we did the Doctor Hoops thing for Infectious and it got 
taken down. It was supposed to air on Sunday, but it didn't air till last night, purely because I used the first 30 seconds of the Chromatica 2 intro yeah. in it. And they were in Universal were like, not today, Satan, um, but got taken to sadly. It's, it's, it's things like that. And I think the other kind of thing with a Joe Drag is it's just getting people invested. Um, they have to sit down and what watch it, yeah. Because there's they have so to sit much down and watch on their it. phone, there's so much content, yeah. Yeah, like I think when you're doing a show in a bar, like it's sort of some of the best shows that I've been to have been ones that I've not I've forgotten that it's happening that night and I've just kind of stumbled upon it and mm-hmm. been like, oh, this is great. Um, but so it is kind of like it's, it's stuff that I've spoken about with like a few of my friends in the scene. It's just it's getting people engaged because I don't feel like people necessarily think drag is worth it in the digital age and I'm trying to sort of push that and trying to push with my show and I, I can see that like you do it as well Rue does it like we, we kind of want a community for us to go back to when this when this pandemic is over That's so it. like mm-hmm. we're not going to have anything to go back to if we don't keep these shows running and we don't keep engagement up and keep like the promotion up if we just go okay like full on strike no shows until Covid's over we won't have shows for probably like a year or two then because totally. you know so it's been that I think like the technical side of it's been kind of hit or miss and like the kind of getting people to enjoy it, I suppose, like just kind of make them feel like it's a normal show. That's been the kind of main struggle for me. But other than that, it's great. Like, I love, like, being a bedroom queen after four years. Totally. You know, it's like the house liability. You know, I... So the house liability was meant to happen back in April. Like, you know, I was like, right, because I very much in March was like, right, well, we can't sit about and get upset about all this, so I will do what I can to help. That was literally my mental thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Two months in went, I have overestimated this. I am not happy. <laughs> like, just because that's <laughs> that was just what was going on with me as a person. And I had a lot of other stuff that I had to kind of deal with and battle with that. And and I've managed to come at the end, which is great. But, you know, it was a yeah. maybe didn't anticipate. It's like, you know, I got told I had to stay in for 12 weeks because I was like shielding. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. But there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people like Phil Heron mess- mentioned on the podcast episode they'd done as well that, you know, we were initially like, oh, it'll be two weeks, a nice wee holiday, or 12 weeks, a nice wee holiday, and it just, we're nearly a year, essentially. We're three months away from it being a year. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. nuts. It's nuts. And it's like you said when Rude, the very first episode i done, Rude said, like, you know, I, I, I had a moment, I didn't want to do this, but actually, I do want to do this because, you know, we have to have something to come back to. And I was like, that's it. And funnily enough, the way I'm looking at it now, I asked the house liability ones in April. I said, do you want to do this? Because we can. Because back in March, I had a meeting with Cav Voltaire and I was maybe taking the house liability to Cav Voltaire. And just not, I'm not Sorry. taking it there anymore because it's just, I've been offered a venue that I'm more comfortable with. But they mm-hmm. had said, yeah, let's do it. Let's get it going. And then I had to do my MA and was like, do you know what? I'm going to pin this and we will do this. But right now I just have to get the MA done. Got it done. The yeah. moment it was done and I went, right, I've graduated. I've got my MA, I'm cheesing that they got messaged right let's get the pin out and start the development for this poster made get like music put together performances and give up a, a lot of them were like yeah we'll do all this and do all this and i was like when and they were like weekly and i went yeah no it's not happening <laughs> like because yeah. i had to explain especially to like amy as well you know god love her that she wants to do everything but i had to kind of sit them down and go so i've just done an hour and a half long movie that took me six months to get done and you're not going to get an eight-minute performance done every week easily. So let's say I go for two weeks or monthly, and Lucy was the one that said monthly, and I said, 
speak to them and they said you know what actually because one of them's a key worker in the nhs one of them's a barber one of them mm. um you know has a lot of mental health struggles like myself and it was very much like yeah we're not gonna actually get it done every week so we'll do it monthly but then funnily enough now i've been offered a venue for it so you gotta think sometimes things i don't think everything happens for a reason but sometimes things do naturally progress and happen and it's great yeah definitely i, I was the same as yourself like during the kind of first lockdown period kind of march to august i was doing my dissertation for my master's that was taking up a lot of my kind of time if I was if I had time I would cause I think we did like one infectious show in May mm-hmm. online but that was literally only because I had the time to um that that week I was like okay we're well, gonna go for it I've got people who want to perform let's just do it um and then but then the rest of the summer I was just doing coursework and stuff and then when that was done I was like okay let's kind of start mm-hmm. doing drag a bit more regularly like, like we've been saying like I, I want there to be something to go back to, I want I want there to be some sort of like when we do go back to live shows, I want people to be like, well, wasn't that great? But we had like yeah. a digital option in the mean in the interim while this was going on. Yeah. So your show was a Doctor Who show. So are you a raging Doctor Who fan? I am. Um, I am fully like. I, I don't really know how to, I, I'd say I'm like a Whovian. I think that's what people call the. I say I think I know that's what people call Doctor Who fans. Uh, I've been a fan since I was like nine or ten. I want to say. Um, it was always kind of something I wanted to do. Like the kind of main reason for wanting to do it is because I was, I was like a kind of fairly regular performer at Mother Tucker when it was on, um, and a couple of years ago when I was supposed to go to France for my year abroad and it didn't happen, I was like the one week that I was away was the week that they did the Doctor Who theme. Well, of course, I was like, I was like, I'm never gonna forget this. I was like, I held it in the back of my mind, like you bastards. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, this is like cause something I wanted to do, and I kind of like I've seen like a lot of people in drag recently kind of streamlining their own personal interests with their artistic outlet. Like Lola has like her horror movies podcast. I've got my wrestling podcast as well. Um, people are doing things like musical theater themed shows, all this kind of good stuff. I was like, I wanted to kind of take it we've not really had like a themed show for a while in this in the Scottish scene I was like let's you know let's let's try and see where it goes and it I really I'm quite happy with how it turned out last night because there were some great concepts on display and I got to portray one of my idols um, Michelle Gomez for after four years in drag took me there I said this on Twitter last night but I can probably I won't retire but I could retire happily now if I wanted to that's (laughs) lovely it's so funny because we obviously said before the podcast episode, didn't we, that I was like talking to you about one of the performances I saw on Instagram and was like, I don't know who this is. I assume it's Billy Piper. Yeah. <laughs> like, I only know Billy Piper as Belle de Jour. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, like, I'm not a massive <laughs> Doctor Who fan. The, the most I know is Secret when Diary she, of a Call Girl. That is literally me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, there's one episode I think that she shagged one of the doctors, but he obviously wasn't in that, but he was mad. Mm-hmm. Matt something, don't know his Matt name. Smith. That's it. <laughs> um, people listening, because I'm just, I don't know anything about Doctor Who. Um, like, what, who would you say is your favourite Doctor? So, yeah, I've got a couple. Um, David Tennant, I think, is the obvious one, because he's the one that a lot of us grew up with, and he was the Doctor for a good four or five years. Um, he had probably one of the kind of longer, recent runs as the Doctor. He's always like, you remember, like, 
the scene with him and Billy Piper on the beach saying goodbye and stuff oh, at the end of season two. Um, even if you don't watch the audio, I feel like people know that because it was shown at so many award shows after the like, best scene. I mean, I do, and I've not seen that. Yeah. I cried. Um, I was like, I'm crying at this, and I don't know what's even going on. I know. <laughs> it's just, it is, I would say he's one of my favorite. I think, you know, Tom Baker with his big scarf from the 70s and 80s is another, is another one. More recently, I, I loved what Peter Capaldi did on the show. I think he's just a excellent sort of character actor, and he's really good at channeling the emotion that kind of comes with that role yeah. sometimes because it's this sort of, like, conflicted centuries-old character who's kind of lost everything but is still still somehow has friends around him. Um that kind of vibe. I love what um, Jodie Whittaker is doing at the moment. She's the first female I'm doctor that we've so had. I'm so happy that happened. I'm not even a Doctor Who fan, and I went, "Fucking yes, they've got a woman. That's amazing." Yeah, I think it was it was about time. Like it's, I feel like the the kind of role of Doctor, like the Doctor and Doctor Who, it's, should just be like the best. And I know this kind of the, the, what I'm about to say kind of causes controversy with some particular roles, but with the Doctor, if you pick the best person for the role rather than Okay, well, it's, the doctor has to be a man, or it has to be right, like okay. th- this this kind of old. See if you if I think it because like every time the doctor changes, usually the production team changes as well. So mm. it depends on who or what they are looking for. Mm. Um, and I think it's just with the way things are going, like you see it in drag, you see it in all kind of forms of entertainment at the moment. Women are actually starting to be taken seriously, like they're look more favourably upon. There's always been this kind of like underlying sexism in like the mm-hmm. entertainment industry towards women, oh, but it, it seems to be kind of getting stamped out now, which is good. Um, we even had things like, they, they had like, I don't know how official this incarnation of the Doctor is, but we even had like a female Doctor of Colour as well, which has been like a big step in the right direction for that That's show, because it start. if you think about it, like it started broadcasting in the 60s when, you know, like societal, like systemic racism was Rife, even yeah. worse. It was right. I mean, it's still pretty bad today, mm-hmm. but it was even worse. It was just sort of the norm back then. That yeah. that's how you were. Like it's come such a long way from how it is, and it's good to see. And I was kind of cognizant last night of the fact that you know a couple of the people that were watching they've maybe not seen as much of it as I have, or they've not seen it at all. Um, but I think that's what's good about drag is that you can sort of like your performance, Educate, can sort of, yeah. yeah, your performance can act as an education. Like certainly, like. The character I was doing, she's from fairly recent Doctor Who memory. So I was just kind of like, okay, I'll, when I was putting the mix together, I was like, let's get some sort of key sound bites that can act as like an introduction to that character so that if you've never seen it before, you can still sort of enjoy it. And then I would put I put in like, I put in songs like Girl Gone Wild by Madonna, like oh, Hollaback Girl yes. by Gwen Stefani, like tunes like that that can sort of draw like an outside audience in. They're just like, okay, we don't know who this person is, but they're clearly having a good time dancing to this song. So we're having That's a good great. time as well. Girl Gone Wild, one of my favourite songs, actually. Amazing. Love the, like, MD- dramatic MD- opening. Yeah, MDNA is underrated, in my opinion. People give it a lot of flack, but I will st- I'll stand on that hill until... <laughs> I totally you know. agree. I mean, the comedowns are horrific, but I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> all, in, all in the past. All in the past. <laughs> so, moving swiftly on... You mentioned, I mean, and this is why I've been very excited to do this episode, actually, right? So you mentioned you do a podcast about wrestling, which is very exciting. And I've been uh, looking forward to talking about this. So what made you do a podcast on wrestling for a start? What made you do that? Um, Pure mania, 
to begin with. Like, just <laughs> I was manic one day. I was like, no, no. Um, re- like wrestling again. It's it's another thing that I've been like a big fan of pretty much all of my life. Like since I was about like nine or basically we, we got Sky Sports when we were when I was like nine or ten, and that was on on like a Friday night or a Monday afternoon or something after school. So it had like that kind of form of escapism. Re- like I say this in like the I released like a little trailer before the podcast started. And wrestling and drag have like a lot of inherent similarities, which I don't think people quite realise. You have like these like ordinary people who take on these big, larger than life characters. They portray them every week. Um, sometimes there's maybe a bit of like overlap between the person and the character, but um, and like the storylines and things like that. Because like I, I don't really like the take that it's fake. I prefer the take that it's like it's predetermined or it's choreographed or like there's because there's because people do legitimately get injured in it there's people who's yeah end up in wheelchairs and things like people who have died because well, of Owen, ha- Owen Hart died Owen Hart died like on and, his way to the ring yeah it was horrific mm-hmm. I only know that like, because yeah what you say sorry and like people like Eddie Guerrero he died because of like years of like substance abuse because of wrestling you know there is that kind of down, it is a very, it is very much a real thing, and it's a to the people who are involved in it, and certainly to the people like myself who have been invested in it for fifteen years. It's very much like you kind of have to suspend your disbelief, much like you have to do with drag as well. Like for drag, you have to sort of just put it to the back of your mind. Okay, that person doesn't actually look like that in real life. Like they wouldn't be just walking down the street, um, lip syncing the lights went the night the lights went out in Georgia monologue. Like they wouldn't actually do that. But if you can just put that to the back of your mind and just enjoy what's in front of you. Then that's that's what I like about it as well. Um, the particularly like women's wrestling, the costumes, oh, the mm-hmm. looks. Yep. Mama, like the <laughs> there's several rhinestones going on there. Um, and I'm several, here for it. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Just like the kind of like the kind of pageantry of it is very much like drag. For me, when drag came along, I was like, hmm, this is. I'm getting to my point. I'd gone long winds. I'm sorry. Um, but so so drag was like the kind of next thing for me like I see a lot of like characters in wrestling who are very much like my drag character like the sort of the uh, like the underdog or like the person who's kind of told like okay you need to look a certain way otherwise you won't be successful kind of thing but they're mm-hmm. successful anyway um I kind of see things like that and I was kind of thinking about like lockdown has kind of made me think about a lot of things and like well I've been watching a lot of wrestling and lockdown I've been watching a lot of drag during lockdown I started to think about these similarities and I was like wouldn't it be cool if like We've had, like, in the past, like, drag queens who have gone on to be involved in wrestling in some kind of way. Like, there's been people who have become managers and things like that. Um, but there's nobody really out there at the moment who's, like, talking about it with from, like, a drag perspective. And I was like, I kind of want to do that. Um, and again, it's very much, like, I do, like, a lot of things on my own with my projects. I kind of do that, kind of fly solo with it. I was like, let's just, it's kind of given me the opportunity just to, like, watch things that I watched when I was, like, nine or ten, but watch it from, like, the 24 year old perspective yeah. and then kind of tie it in that way um we're on i think we've done about six episodes now i'm on i'm gonna record episode seven this week at some point um it's been kind of fun it's kind of broadened my horizons kind of made me watch shows that i've maybe even not watched before um i kind of wanted to to do that and again like with the doctor who thing like it's i'm kind of applying to like a very specific audience appealing to a very specific audience but there's a there's a following there and I think okay there's maybe not hundreds of people tuning in every week but there's there is some demand for it and it mm-hmm. gives me like an outlet to 
combined to other things because let's face it, I'm never going to be stepping in the ring anytime soon. I don't think the I mean, world me is too, quite ready yeah. for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't maybe as think... like a maybe as like a manager or a commentator or something, but I'm not going to be like. Oh God, I'd love that. Ne- I'm not going to be like the next John Cena or something, do you know what I mean? Oh, I would love to be like a commentator. That'd be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, like, you know, I'd love to do wrestling, but I think it's just like a lawsuit waiting to happen for them. And <laughs> just, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'd be love it if they'd pay my mortgage off, but I just don't think they would love that. Um, right, yeah. okay, I've got some questions that I've not sent you, but I'm sure you will totally be fine with this. So if you had to pick one diva from wrestling that is your favourite, who would you pick and why? Oh, God. No pressure. I'm going to pick mine, so I'll give you some help. So I'm going to pick mine. Mickey yes, James. Yes, you go first. Mickey James, Mickey because James. the absolute... I remember, right, so I... he never, He's never known this. I don't think he's going to listen to this podcast. If he did, I'd howl and just be like, yeah, hon. But I used to really fancy, like, my best pal when I was 12, and we used to watch wrestling, and I was like, there's some gay subjects here, but no, <laughs> obviously, clearly not, because he's my kids now. But, you know, back then, we would watch um, WrestleMania, and it was WrestleMania 22 was my favourite, and... Mickey James in yes. a Trish Stratus gate that was like, her being like, I'm your favourite fan. And I was like, what is this? But iconic mm-hmm. behaviour. I think it's actually... She like, she, like, yeah. she like kidnaps his, she kidnaps Trish's boyfriend and stuff and like ties up her pal in the middle of the ring. Just be like, if you, come one step, if you come one step closer, I'm going to bash her in the face, Trish. I wait. Oh, it's so and funny. I just remember with WrestleMania 22, everyone thought Trish would win because they were like, she can't like wrestle. And Mickey proper knocked her out. And everyone was like, Mm. And then she took over, and then I remember it was her, and then, oh, what was her name? That fucking chocolate pudding match that I watched was hilarious. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? Uh-huh, it was like Melina and... It was, uh, it was round about that time, and it was like, again, it was a, a wrestler that everyone was like, oh, she's got, like, you know, she's attractive, she's not a wrestler, and then she fucking beat her in the pudding match. You were like, what? Mm. That was like that was quite an interesting time for women in wrestling, I think, because there was a handful of women in the the company who could actually wrestle. A lot of them at the time were kind of hired based on their looks. their looks. They would be headhunted from like um, fitness magazines or like bikini shoots that they would do. Like a lot of them did Playboy as well. That was another kind of yep. big thing. They would get kind of brought in, given very like little to no training, and just kind of flung into the ring and been like, "Okay, you're gonna you're gonna land on this um, chair mat. You're gonna land in this chair. You're gonna land in this mat, which is basically just a bunch of wooden panels underneath a very thin canvas, and you're gonna you're gonna love it." So, but Mickey was like one of those people who could. She was sort of like a hybrid of all of that, but she could actually wrestle really well as well. I loved yeah. her. I love Victoria um, because she used to come out to all the things she said by tattoo, which was iconic. Um, she had like a, a pet spider. She was mental. She like there was a scene where she bottles Christy Hemi. It's so funny because um, <laughs> people getting hurt is funny. Um, in, in kind of more recent times, I love Becky Lynch for obvious reasons. I take my nickname, the man, from her. Um, is Becky I, Lynch the one from Scotland that they did the movie about? No. No, that was um that was Paige. Yeah. Fight, are you talking about fighting with my family? I think so, yeah. I just yeah, saw so that, that it was a Scottish wrestler got on and it was a big thing. Yeah, no so, yeah, Paige is cool as well. She's also a bitch in Doc Martens, which I look up to. Love um that. but Becky is like Becky's originally from Dublin. Um she worked really hard to come up through like because wrestling's all like drag in a sense like you can start off by performing at like your local venues and then eventually when the big rich man in america comes 
looking for you, then that's how it kind of goes. Um, she kind of worked her way up through that. She retired from wrestling 15 years ago because she was really badly concussed. Um, they told her, don't do this anymore. So she, she went and like got a bunch of different other jobs. Like she was a flight attendant. She was a um, she'd act she'd act in classes. She went to uni to study. I think it was like psychology or wow. something. She essentially took all these different like bits of the business down and broke up. And then she came back. And then she went to WWE. And much like myself, she doesn't I'd like like Salmonella. She doesn't really look like your typical like she's not like big hair, like sparkles, all this kind of stuff, but she's got something that a crowds can connect with, and I really yeah. look up to that. I see a lot of myself, but I, I feel like in my kind of run-up to the first Infectious, that was quite similar to her run-up to being, like, one of the first women to main event WrestleMania. Um, I see a lot of that kind of run in myself. I need to get a, a cool leather jacket like she does, but that'll come eventually. Um, Trish, for obvious reasons, I think she was, like, oh. a big role model for a lot of people and she had um, the most titles didn't she she's still the she's still the highest ranked women's champion she what she was um she, oh. she's got seven someone has taken her charlotte flair has taken her crown charlotte has won it 12 times now which i think is a bit overkill to be honest that is overkill i had a thing that trish done her last match and she won i can't remember was it lita and yeah, they, she they did last, it in Toronto as well. Yeah. And she had her last match and she won and it was like she started greeting because she was retiring and then uh-huh. it was quite funny because she vacated the fucking title after she won and it was a bit like, all right, a lot of fans were like, oh, well, that was pointless, but I'm like sitting there like, no, that's inspirational, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, because no one ever wins their retirement match in wrestling. There's this kind of like time-honoured tradition that if you're leaving the company or something that you've got to lose or you've got to like, just make the other person look stronger and she was like nah I'm gonna I'm in my hometown I'm gonna win fuck you all (laughs) I love it um Trish is like there's so many like even like there was a woman who used to be called Beth Phoenix who I really love as well yeah she's like she I I feel like she genuinely could batter somebody outside the ring because she's and she was like another kind of hybrid that she had like all the kind of quintessential good looks that were required to be a WWE diva at the time um, but she could also like really like she could fling some of those girls a bit like a sack of wet washing, honestly. Um, and she just like I just loved the whole like she had like she dressed up like Wonder Woman and all this kind of stuff like just love that. Kind of super he- she has this superhero and like she calls herself like the Glamazon, which then kind of ties into like Sex in the City and it ties into Drag Race in later years as well. So it all kind of connects itself. I've got so many, but like I've, I can't possibly list them all. I'll put them in Twitter afterwards. <laughs> what's um, just because we haven't touched on it? What's the name of the podcast so that people can give you a listen and a subscribe? Yeah, so it's called um, Diva Get the Tables, which is a it's a play on. There was a tag team back in the day called the Dudley Boys, um, and they used to do this thing. Oh, yeah. One of them was called one of them was called Devon, and Bubba Ray would be like, "Devon, get the tables," and they would pull tables out from under the ring and put people oh, through that's it. It was lovely. cool. I was like, originally it was going to be like something like Queen of the Ring, and I was like, that's terrible. I'm not Whitney Houston. Let's just leave that name mm. in the in the trash. Um, so yeah, I'm available on. It comes out every Saturday at twelve o'clock um, GMT mm-hmm. um, midday. Um, I'm I'm available pretty much in all kind of major platforms. I do it through Anchor, so it goes up to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, mm-hmm. all those kind of anywhere you listen to podcasts. Really, I would I would give it a listen. It is kind of mainly me rambling for like an hour 
out of your week, but it's a well, good uh, ramble, and I promise you get something out of it. <laughs> I will just add to that. Uh, I know you said you're not the queen of the ring, but I think if you ask my exes, you'll find that I am. <laughs> 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 I do love that song by Whitney. What an absolute tune. But you know what? I've always said I want to do this really bad mashup. If someone else has done it, then I do apologise, because there's often a thing in the drag community that I don't think everyone has, like, the most 100% idea. Unless you're literally, you know, doing an Orcambi now thing about having CF, then I'm like, stop stealing my performances. But, like, um, you know, I did want to do this thing, you know, Queen of them. Um, oh, it's Queen something. It's this Aria song that this witch does. And she's like, it's like the... Like, everyone knows it. It's a TV advert. It's called Queen of Something by Schubert. And I really wanted to do that and drag at the beginning, doing this really, like, sort of baroque period outfit and everyone's like all right and then i just go it goes din, 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 i got the stuff that and i just rip this outfit on <laughs> and i'm like dressed like an absolute like 90s dirty like grungy look and i just think that'd be hilarious and i've always wanted to do that so i think i have to try and do that at the house liability live definitely yes i, I look forward to to seeing that i think as far as I'm aware, I mean, I know there's like 500 of us now in the scene, but I don't think anyone's done it. <laughs> um, Interesting. So um, I know obviously we've touched a lot on your um, projects you've done, which is amazing, but for people listening, uh, the, every time I do an episode, I just get people to share this because it's always good to share resources and um, advice. Um, what sort of things have you been doing to cope mentally during the pandemic? Because I know it's been up and down for everyone, but especially for yourself, just how have you been managing to cope? Is there anything you would, um, any bits of advice you would give people? Yeah, um, I think at first with the pandemic, I was coping really well. I think as we've kind of got into the winter months, it's been a bit of a kind of bit of a slog just with the whole kind of seasonal depression, seasonal affective depression. Mm-hmm. I get I that anyway, yeah. Seasonal affective, yeah. I get that anyway. It's called sad. I hate it, I hate it gets called sad, but um, I get seasonal I affective anyway. So I'm like... Oh, this on top of that, but yeah, totally. I, th- I think like the like the kind of thing. I've been quite fortunate in the in the last kind of three months. Uh, as horrible as the job is, I've been in a job. Um, Good, yeah, you know it's 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 been it's been keeping me busy. It's been keeping me kind of active. I think the best thing to do is just not to let yourself be stuck in your bed all day. I know mm. it's easier said than done, but honestly, if you can just get up, even just doing things like going for a shower or like going for like a walk or something or, I don't know, changing your bed sheets, just something that kind of keeps you proactive, it honestly it will make a difference to... I was quite guilty at the start of lockdown and even kind of the last couple of days, just sort of like sleeping until one o'clock in the afternoon and then it's like your day's gone at that point. But at the time of the year where we get like six hours of sunlight a day, so totally. make the most of it. Um, just do what you can to... Even if, if you've got project, if you do drag and you've got projects like that, do like a look or something or make a make a mix or write something like if you do like if you do songwriting or poetry or whatever it is like this that you can channel your creativity into now is the time to do it because totally. when we're in the when we're in the clubs and stuff and we're performing every week we don't have as much time as we have now to really fully realize projects or at least I certainly don't because I always have like other things going on like use the time that you've got now use it wisely um, remember that it's not I know it seems like it's gone forever but it's not going to be forever like there will be another side of this that we can come out of and just trying to do your best like it will surprise you what you can do if you just think what can I do instead of being in my bed it will surprise people I think 
I love that. You know, I've got like a rule, like, and um, I listen to like Super Soul Conversations by Oprah all the time, and I watch like Oprah on every show on YouTube all the time. It's like one of my wee things I do, and I've got a huge rule that she does that I copied up here, like, was like plagiarized, but genuinely her thing was even on her darkest days or having like really bad depressive episodes, she always made her bed as soon as she got up. And I just like, mm-hmm. when you're saying, you know, lying in bed all day, like I've got a huge thing that I know I had a lot of friends growing up who never made their bed. And I was so bad for going to their house, be like, you could have made your bed. <laughs> in fact, one of my friends, we brothers, um, felt follow me on Instagram and he's uh, just came out as a uh, queer, which is amazing. And he'd, was in a selfie, but his bed was like a fucking mess. And I'm such a fucking like mama. I commented like, "You could have made your bed." <laughs> he was like, "Right, Jordan," because I was like, "Well, you could have made your bed, but it's so true." I was like, "Yeah." You just go, you just go in and start like fluffing up pillows and stuff. So like, look at the state of this. Like, I know I'm turning into everyone's mum, but I honestly, that's my thing. Is even if I like, I've had a rubbish couple of weeks, and I've been like, "Right, just make your bed, go and get showered, eat something, just push yourself to do all that," because. It gets tough. I remember doing Cystic Fibrosis Trust asked me to do this thing for their Tech Shell campaign. It was me talking about drag and having CF. And at one point I even said to them, you know, oh, sometimes you've just got to limit what your expectations are. You know, like some days I'm like, oh, I got up, I had a shower, I made dinner and I didn't have to ask anyone to help me do that. And that was an achievement today because let's face it, like the pandemic is just so unpredictable and there's no again like anything in life there's no right or wrong I've been dropping actually it's funny you say that I've been dropping a lot of Instagram looks recently because I'm not a look queen I never will be but I was like do you know what I don't want to like yeah and it's like I didn't you know I love singing I'm doing singing now me and Lola have been chatting about that loads and I'm doing Lola's show and it's amazing to be involved in the singing community especially but you know I've not wanted to sing I've not wanted to lip sync I've been like well what do I do and I went I actually find it enjoyable, which I've never had in my life until the pandemic. I actually was like, oh, I actually would like to get, like, makeup and just do a look every day for, like, seven days. And I did it. I dropped them on Instagram. I was like, I'm just going to do some of them. are daft. I did, like, a cow look. I was like, oh, I'll do a cow print look. So then, I know, but then when I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'll do an Ariana from, like, Rain on Me and do that makeup. And everyone was like, oh, my God, you look gorgeous like this. And I was like, I can't. I never thought I could try something like this. But... It was something I could do to get me through it. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. And I definitely appreciate that. Um, before we finish off the episode, it's been so lovely having you. Where can people follow you on social media to keep up to date with your projects? I have like a million different social medias. I'll try and rattle them off <laughs> as best I can. Um, so if you want to follow, if you want to just keep up with me, um, follow my diatribes, and you can follow me on Twitter at salma underscore nella underscore dq. Or on Instagram, you can get me at Salma underscore underscore Queen. You can see my um, hashtag makeup evolution on there. It's quite something. Um, I My show has an Instagram as well. It's infectious underscore Glasgow. Or if you want to follow my podcast, I'm on Instagram at Diva Get The Tables podcast as well. That'll yep. give you all your show updates and stuff. I would recommend following me on Twitter. I've been told that I'm quite funny. So that's... You are quite funny on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> I do actually your Twitter among like I find for me personally I just find Twitter can be quite a difficult place sometimes and your Twitter Definitely. just makes me laugh a lot so it's quite great um I would love for you to share the quote you brought with you today if you have managed to do that that'd be amazing yes so I've been thinking about this I've actually got two I'm cool. share both of them you can share like, both have, have your cake and eat it too yeah um, so <laughs> I think one one quote I would like to share is it's from it's from Beth Phoenix's Hall of Fame induction in his WWE. She looks out to her daughter at one point in the crowd and says, 
if you are a square peg trying to fit into a round hole, don't bother trying to fit in. Make your own. Make your own hole to go in. Wow. Um, I've taken that with me throughout my anything that I've done really, whether it's been like in a kind of out of like in my kind of usual day to day job, or if it's been like in drag or something. Like, don't like, don't change yourself to be what other people want you to be. Just be what you want to be instead. Um, and from Doctor Who as well, I think the iconic quote is, we're all stories in the end, just make it a good one. Oh, I do actually know that quote and I love that. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you're, you I think you ultimately are in charge of your trajectory in life. And while it's good to, especially in drag, it's good to get like constructive criticism and it's good to get advice from your peers and stuff. But ultimately, you're going to know what you want to do more than anyone else will. So follow yeah, yeah. it and don't be like, well, I, I better, um, you know, I better do this because this person does that as like, well, that works for that person. It's not going to work for you, potentially. I'll, so go with I your gut. That. Oh, always go with your gut. Brilliant. Salmonelle, thank you so much for joining me. It's been lovely having you and getting to share thank this Thank you for work. having me. Not at all. Stay safe. Yes, you too. Take care. I honestly, listening back to this, just really enjoyed this. It was such a sweet, wholesome uh, podcast episode and also just full of jokes and laughter I think I've been really missing that in my life just now um so that was really nice Salmonella is definitely a comedian in the making um but also just like a really nice person and I love obviously again don't really know anything about Doctor Who and stuff but hearing someone passionate about stuff like that is just really um motivating right now because my creative energy again is still not great just now I'm very much just listening to sad Joni Mitchell songs. I'm doing a Joni Mitchell song for our Christmas show of the House of Liability, um, which is amazing, but not the most upbeat thing. However, Salmonella uh, had told me that they're going to be doing an Infectious show, which is infectious, but a Christmas show. And I'm also going to be doing Lola Fierce's Christmas show, which will be dropping in December. Um, I don't want to spoil what I'm going to sing, so I'm not going to tell you, but... It might be a Joni Mitchell song, <laughs> but there's other performances happening too. Um, I honestly just want to thank Sal so much for coming on. I know that very much like me, everyone gets some anxiety of some form, and I think that there was no nervousness at all. This was just honestly a lovely episode, and I think it's not... I never would like to say on the podcast it's my favourite episode because I equally love all the episodes, but it's definitely up there. Um, maybe tier one. <laughs> It's definitely up there with them, the other ones. It was so enjoyable and fun to edit. And yeah, thank you so much to Salmonella for doing that. It was great. Please catch some other social medias that they mentioned earlier. You'll see me on their show in December. Keep an eye out for the dates. It's going to be so exciting. And uh, yeah, next week I have got somebody everyone knows that I know, so there's no point in me trying to go, I've got this young queer artist to, um, I've got my best friend, my wifey, my old flatmate, but also my fellow queer artist who is bisexual, um, Lana, or Alana Watson, or Lana Lou, if she's DJing, um, back in Bunker, Man Out of the Street, etc., We'll be on talking about bi-visibility and bi-erasure in the LGBT community. It's a very topical conversation that's important. It needs to happen. Um, I'm also going to be getting trans artists on to talk about the trans community. And I would like to just say now that the trans community are 
partly reason that I realised I was non-binary because their support helped me realise and I thank them every day for that. We'll be dropping the episode next Friday, like this week's, because I have, after that, two guests each week coming on. We've got a dietitian coming on at some point to talk about healthy mind versus healthy body and also just their social medias and the work they do as a dietitian, as a key worker. Love her. I've also got Gary Roman Quizman coming on to talk about transferring quizzes to online and drag. Um, so it's going to be an exciting month and I've got a couple of exceptionally, amazingly talented artists in December coming on. Oh Christ, next week is December actually. Here's me, like December, it's next week. Christ, take two. Um, we are going to have other drag artists coming on in December to round off the show so that I can then take two much-needed weeks off to just recharge my batteries. Uh, I am not going on the session for two weeks because gone are the days that I can handle two-day hangovers. Christ, absolutely not. Thanks again to Salmonella for joining me this week. Thank you to everyone listening. Do remember what I said at the beginning. Take care of yourselves. Think about other people as well as yourself. I'll be back next week, but until then, please do subscribe to the podcast, stay safe, and remember to breathe. Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast, a local